Welcome to the Bethel Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Bill Johnson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit Bethel.com. We're going to pray for uh, anyone with uh, PTSD, uh, bipolar, dyslexia, any kind of brain uh, issue. Uh, I want you to stand because we're going to pray for you. I really have confidence that the Lord is healing this uh, today. Uh, It's always on his mind, but I felt very strong this morning when I came in early uh, that this was something he was going to address. And those who are watching on Bethel TV, uh, get in on this because the healing word uh, knows no distance. It's uh, as present in your home as it is here. Um, Bethel family, you know what to do. Stand around these folks, just just very simply lay hands on them. Declare that peace of the Lord, the shalom of heaven to come over them and to heal everything that was stolen, damaged. Some of them have issues because of trauma. So we just declare trauma. You have no more effect on this life. In Jesus' mighty name, we rebuke trauma. We ask for a healing grace, Lord, that you would release uh, that healing presence of Jesus. In fact, peace is, is the word. I want you just to declare peace over, over them, literally, over their mind, over their heart, their mind, the peace of God uh, to be released to them right now in Jesus' name. Uh, healing of the brain so that uh, uh, those with dyslexia and similar uh, afflictions uh, be released from that and uh, they'd be healed uh, now in Jesus' name. So I want you just to declare to them, we bless you in the name of the Lord. We bless you in the name of the Lord, declare it to him, and then just declare sound, a sound mind is your portion. Amen, amen. All right, you did good? You did good, good, and, and uh, be seated. Yes, yes, all right. Several, uh, several years ago, I had a real uh, challenge uh, physically, and uh, uh, I ended up where I, I, I had a I had a small growth in uh, one of my intestine, and uh, that they found they had to, had to remove. Long story short, they got it out. Everything's fine, but but for a season I couldn't eat or I could eat very little, and then for a while I couldn't eat any, anything at all. I couldn't even drink. They fed me intravenously, and it, that wasn't near as fun as they said it would be. It's, it's, a, it's a great weight loss program, but it's not really what you want to do. Um, I, I, uh, I spent a, a lot of time in a recliner until I got to a hospital, and then I was in bed for uh, a while. And, um, and I would read, as I do anyway, I, I'm constantly in the word anyway. But in that time, it was very, it was very uh, I have made it a, a practice in, my, in the last 40-whatever years to read, not so that I have a teaching, but to read for me, just to read for me, and then just learn and take out of whatever I happen to be learning, uh, and then share that with you. That's my that's my uh, that's my practice. So, but even more intently, I would come to the scriptures and read. I spent a lot of time in Psalms, and uh, and today we're going to study Psalms 23, and. Um, I, I read, I think I read the 23rd Psalm uh, every day for two or three months uh, besides the other things I was reading. 
I would review, review prophetic words. Um, I would watch uh, uh, prophetic ministry times. I would just I'd try to acquaint myself with what God says about my life instead of the circumstances that, that surround me. And, uh, and it was, uh, it, it was a, a very, uh, I, I wouldn't wish it on anyone, but I'm, I'm so glad I was able to go through that journey and know the peace of God through every single, every twist and turn. Um, don't ever estimate peace because it's the manifestation of his mind over you. The, the peace of God is, the, is a manifestation of his mind having effect on your environment because he's not nervous about anything. If, if you're anything like me, you have the ability to make a mountain out of a molehill and to take the simple and make it very complex. It's a gift. I, I have that gift. And uh, hang around me long enough and I'll show you how to do it. Um, it but it's, it's, it's really true. And, but what happens for us, many of us, as we walk with the Lord, we tend to exaggerate the size of our problems so we feel justified in our fear. We exaggerate the size of our problem so that our anxiety is logical. Yep, yeah, we need to read the Bible. That's what we need to do, I can tell. We're gonna, let's read the scripture together. We're gonna read the 23rd Psalm, and I'm actually gonna read it to you out of three translations. How that? It's a bonus day today. We're gonna do um, New King James, is what I study out of, and then we're gonna do the Passion Translation, which will be extra passionate. And then we're gonna do the Amplified, which is extra loud. So we're just gonna have a good, <laughs> a good, good day. Let's read this together. Psalms 23. How many of you memorized this maybe even as a child? You, yeah, it's, it's probably the most well-known portion of Scripture on the earth. It is quoted. It is, you know, a TV show. Somebody dies. There's a priest doing a funeral. Oftentimes they will quote at least part of the 23rd Psalm. And it's famous or well-known for good reason. It is that good. The problem with it is we're too familiar with it. Some of the richest things, I, I, I often come in my reading, uh, and, I'll, and I'll, Lord, help me to read this for the first time again. Help me to read this for the first time. Sometimes just simplifying things, sometimes changing a translation, reading a different translation, because I'll hit it from a different angle. Any, any of you ever write something, and when you were through, you proofread it, and everything was perfect, and somebody else read it, and they said, hey, you forgot a word here? But you, could, you read the word when you... <laughs> I have entire paragraphs that I see on the page, but it's not there. That's, that's why God gave us editors, created by God to help us not look stupid when we certainly could. So. But sometimes we do that automatic reading thing, if you will. Uh, familiarity causes us to skip over things that we really need to hear as though it were the first time. So I pray that today would have that effect on you as it's having on me. Psalms 23, verse one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. 
Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let me take the Passion Translation. The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take, his tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure. He leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. Some of you are daydreaming, I'm sure of it. Let me read this again. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely, for you are near. Listen to this phrase. You become my delicious feast, even when my enemies dare to fight. Oh, wow. You become my delicious feast, even when my enemies dare to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my heart overflows. So why should I fear fear the future? For I am being pursued only by your goodness and unfailing love. Then afterwards, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be forever with you. Mm -mm Mm-mm-mm. That was good. One more. The Lord is my shepherd to feed, guide, and shield me. I shall not lack. He makes me lie down in fresh, tender, green pastures. He leads me beside still and restful waters. He refreshes and restores my life, myself. He leads me in the paths of righteousness, which is uprightness and right standing with him, not for my earning it, but for his name's sake. Yes, even though I walk through deep, sunless valleys, shadow of death, I will fear no dread or evil, for you are with me. Your rod to protect, your staff to guide, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My brimming cup runs over. Surely our only goodness, mercy, and unfailing love shall follow me all the days of my life. And through the length of my days, the house of the Lord and his presence shall be my dwelling place. This is just a a glorious psalm that needs to be revisited. Verse one says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Oftentimes for us, we don't have a financial problem. We have a lordship problem. The issue of lordship, the Lord is my shepherd, is where this begins. And it doesn't ignore that there's conflict, that there's warfare, that there's devils, that there's darkness. It doesn't ignore any of that. It just gives us an insight as to how he takes us through that process, not for defeat, not for fear, not for anxiety, but for triumph, that his name would be exalted and we will be strengthened. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We are the worst at diagnosing our own problems, our own circumstances. And there are many who think they have relational problems and they actually have lordship problems. There are many who struggle with fear and anxiety and it's only the result of the absence of lordship. 
it's, if I, and I can, I can take any small problem and make it so large in my mind that I forget who Jesus is. But no problem is impressive. No problem looks big in the face of the one who defeated everything on our behalf. In the face of the one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Sometimes the Lord yokes us together with people uh, maybe in a work context, maybe it's a family upbringing, could be any number of things, but he yokes us together. And the, uh, when you're yoked with someone, the yoke only hurts when you try to go a different direction than they're going. When you try to sit when they're sitting, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the fact the Lord is actually using the circumstances around us to teach us to walk like Jesus. And sometimes the pain we feel that we are so certain is, is somebody else's fault is actually a lordship issue. Yep, we can go home now. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord, the master, the ruler, the wonderful, gracious father, the benevolent, kind, uh, caring leader that we have, he directs my life. And I'll tell you, I, I'll tell you my greatest, my greatest weakness over the last 40 years, it comes up, I'm embarrassed to say how often it has come up. My greatest weakness has been that I assume that I know the will of God in a matter. And, and it's, it's, never, it's never a choice between, you know, something evil and something good or something moral versus immoral or honest versus dishonesty. That's not the, it's not the issue. Those issues have long been settled. It's the issue of doing the right thing that God has directed or the right thing hoping that he'll bless it. A, a good thing. And he's such a great father, sometimes he covers me, you know. He says, yeah, I'll cover you, you know. You just do something, you know, in his name that he wasn't a part of, but he goes, yeah, it was close. <laughs> and and, and he's, he's, just that, he's just that kind of a father. And I'm so thankful for that because he saved me out of a bunch of dumb stuff. But other times he just leaves me hanging. <laughs> and, but it's, it's, not, it's, not like, it's not like he's punishing me, it's just like, son, if you can feel the pain of the moment you're in, it'll help your memory. <laughs> the next time you get in that situation where you think you already know what I want from you. Does that make sense to anybody else? I, I just feel like I already know, I saw him do this, this, and this, so obviously this is what he wants, and that's not always the case. It's that assumption that gets me into trouble. I, I receive a, a lot of encouragement, especially from David in his life. I think, I think maybe his, his life is the one that speaks to the, me the most. Uh, of where there were times where maybe he would forget to pray or, or he sought the Lord on the most obvious details. Uh, he, would, he would pray for things that I wouldn't even think to pray for. I'd just assume, well, this is what God wants. And it's, it's he's, he's Lord. He's Lord. He, he's, he's the King of glory. He's the Lord of all lords. He is my Savior. He is my benevolent dictator. He is a kind and perfect father. He's loving and he covers me and he empowers me, but he is Lord and is never to be forgotten. He is absolutely Lord and Lord of all and every knee will bow 
and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That, that moment, that day is coming, but we have the privilege of doing it every day of our life. And here he starts this psalm by describing the condition of a disciple. It doesn't mean, when it says, I shall not want, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to have another need tomorrow. It doesn't mean I don't have a difficult decision to make. It doesn't mean any of those things. It doesn't mean if you have a problem in your life, then, you, then Jesus obviously isn't your Lord. That's the opposite in this, this psalm. This psalm is describing how to, how to live life in such a way that regardless of your circumstances, you always come into a place of breakthrough because Jesus is Lord. And he noticed in the psalm, he says, for my name's sake, every victory that you and I experience, all of creation celebrates Jesus for your victory. Why? Because they see his plan worked. The scripture says, wherever two or three of us are gathered in his name, he is in the midst. Well, he's already in me but there's an increased measure of presence when we come together in his name. So we have two or three of us gathered in his name. Jesus stands in the midst. All of creation celebrates it because his plan worked. It was actually possible to create something in people who are born again, the capacity for unity that only the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit have known throughout all eternity. And all of creation looks at that and they said, it worked. And there's this celebration of who he is. So when he says, for his namesake, he's actually describing that it is imperative, it is vital that all of creation sees and witnesses the effect of his plan. In fact, Romans chapter 8 talks about all of creation groaning and travailing. We've got some good music going on somewhere. Yeah. It's the beauty of cell phones. Yes. I, I, at one meeting, I said, you know, somebody needs to get the hallelujah chorus so that when your phone rings, it's kind of a moment of celebration. So that night, they had the hallelujah chorus on their phone. So, yeah. so the Lord, the Lord is looking for, for one simple thing. It's our acknowledgement of his lordship. It's not complicated. It may be hard, but it's not complicated. Jesus is Lord. And in that place, there is such rich fulfillment that it is possible for you and me to stand in the face of adversity, difficulty, challenges, whatever we might be facing, and say, because he's my shepherd, I actually am lacking nothing. And it's in that context that we are able to testify of his goodness in our lives. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Some of you need to be made to lie down. Made to lie down. He, he, uh, he leads me beside still or quiet waters. Um, I had a phrase go through my mind here uh, a few weeks ago in, in uh, Sydney. See if this helps anyone. Um, many of us struggle with guilt and shame in equal measure to our overemphasis of our own role in our conversion. Many of us struggle with guilt and shame in equal measure to our overemphasis of our role in our own conversion. Do we have a role? Yeah, I chose him, but he first chose me. I love him, but he first loved me. I put my faith in him, but the faith was a gift from God. 
And anytime we overemphasize, we overtake responsibility. When in fact, he's looking to lead us into a place of abandonment and trust. Maturity is where I represent him well in power, in wisdom, in love. But I remain as a child. I never grow out of dependency. I only grow deeper in dependency. The issue of lordship will be an issue throughout all of eternity. But it's never restrictive in a sense of of punishment. It's never a restriction in a sense of um, uh, confinement of who you were born to to be. Instead, it's a restriction so that all your efforts can be put into who you were designed to be. It's, it's, con- it's a controlled strength, if you will. It's a directed strength, better term. Directed strength. And so the lordship of Jesus is always with your eternal purpose. My eternal purpose is always in mind. That we could stand fully representing Jesus accurately. I, I really believe that before he returns, there's going to be a generation, not just in individuals, but a generation that represent him well. In purity, true holiness, great power, great wisdom which automatically means there's going to be transformation of cities and nations as a result. All right. So he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. The word soul there, now oftentimes when we uh, see the word soul, we think in terms of mind, will, and emotion, which is legitimate. But this word is used, um, it's like 750 times in the the Bible. And it's often used to describe us in our our whole person spirit, soul, and body, everything about it. So when he says, he restores my soul, it's saying, he restores me completely. Everything about me becomes healthy again. Sign me up for that one, that's a good one. He restores my soul, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. There's that phrase again. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Here's one of the most important things I saw in that particular season for me. I'll be honest, I was, I was, uh, I was sick. And, uh, and I, I kept waiting for that word of the Lord. I kept waiting for that, that thing that would clarify everything for me. And, uh, and it, just, it just didn't come. It, his silence, whenever he's silent, it's not punishment. It's because he's already spoken. And he's, his silence will help you to find what he's already said. It's, it's not the silent treatment. He's not like you and me giving each other the silent treatment. He's, he's, uh, he's a gracious father, so everything is out of love. Everything is out of love. And, um, and I was hoping to get, you know, that word. I was hoping that somebody would call or somebody would write. And, and there were a lot of things given to me. And it was all wonderful, but there was never that breakthrough word, that breakthrough moment. It just didn't come. All there was was sick and, you know, I was in the hospital for a while. There was two people with kidney transplants that came in and left before I did. Yeah, and there was a third person that was there when I got there, so they all graduated before I did. So I was, I was there for a while, and I'm just praying. I'm just looking for that word. I had great friends come and pray for me, talk with me. So it was wonderful, zero complaint. But I was looking for that breakthrough word, and it never came. What did come was overwhelming peace. And after I looked back and I could say two things, two things that I came out of with. Number one, bold faith stands on the shoulders of quiet trust. 
bold faith stands on the shoulders of quiet trust. What he was looking for in me was not the expression of bold faith. He was looking for me, the quiet trust. He was trying to build something deeper in me where I had been working to illustrate, demonstrate, pursue bold faith. He was looking to develop a rest in me that enabled or allowed for a quiet trust to be the platform on which another level of bold faith would come. Does that make any sense? I hope so. But here's the, here's the main deal that I wanted to mention to you this morning. As he says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because you're with me. I'll fear no evil because you're with me. I, I, came, I came to the realization that there are measures or manifestations of his presence that you can only find in the valley of the shadow of death. He manifests himself differently in different contexts, in different situations. And there's an aspect of his presence you can only find in that context. Why would he take you through the valley of the shadow of death? Because he believes in the work he's done in you. He's confident of the great work that, that, he's, that he's done in each one of us. He's confident enough that he can trust us in perilous situations. If it wasn't a true, sufficient new creation that took place inside of our hearts when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, if that were not a reality, he would never put us in that, that environment because we'd be devoured, devoured in a heartbeat. But he enables us to go through those situations. He doesn't create the evil, he doesn't create the darkness, but where he wants to take us, we walk through there. And I tell you what, the longest way through a trial is to try to do it apart from the Lordship of Jesus. The quickest way through a trial is with Jesus as Lord. There's only one shortcut, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord, that's how you go through. But what I, what I came to realize was there's, there's I, I didn't have these thundering words, these thundering encounters. You know, it's been years. I've hardly even talked about this. I, I just felt tomorrow, this morning might be, might be good to maybe talk about some of, some of at least what I experienced. That there, there was never that, that life-changing moment, but at the end of it, I could tell I have discovered an aspect of his countenance, of his face, that I, I could not have found anywhere else. And because that was the treasure I came out with, it was absolutely worth it. Absolutely worth it. He goes on. He goes on, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. <laughs> oh boy. You prepare a table for me. Did you see it? Did you read it? You prepare a table before me. You prepare the table and you put it in the middle of the enemies. What is the table? A table is a place of nourishment, a place of interaction, fellowship, family, intimacy. It's the, it's the table. Remember Mephibosheth, the Old Testament? His legs were lame but he was brought to the table of the king, so his lameness was covered in the table of the Lord. So here's this table of deep fellowship, closeness, tenderness with God, and God says, I'm gonna put it in the middle of the enemies. What's happened to so many believers is all they can see is the enemies. 
And they define their circumstances by the enemies they see instead of defining their circumstances by the Lord who is seated across the table with intimate interaction and fellowship. There is a place of, of intimacy and fellowship with him that actually causes all these hellish things to dissolve and disappear. It's not even that they're gone, it's just that they don't matter. The Bible says, if God be for you, who can be against you? It doesn't mean no one can be against you, it just means no one can be against you and be given a chance to vote. No one against you ever gets to vote. They have no ability to contribute to a conclusion or decision. That's been determined by the one who is the Lord. The Lord. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I think one of the most frequent challenges that I watch people that I love and care for and interact with is I, as I watch them go through stuff, I, I, see, I see that they're so aware of the enemies that are that are there and not the Lord who is there. You know, in your darkest situation, it's a table of fellowship. See, most people don't have a financial problem. They have a lordship problem. They don't have a relationship problem. It's a lordship problem. It's not an anxiety issue. It's a lordship issue. That's really, it's really at the, at the heart of so many things. It's when, I, it's when I try to fix the stuff myself instead of in that place of tender surrender, do I make a mountain out of a molehill? Do I exaggerate the size and effect of something? And so here the Lord is telling us, listen, I've set you up for victory ahead of time and just to prove it, I'm gonna take you through a dark valley and then I'm gonna, when we get there, I'm gonna put a banqueting table up and it's gonna be you and me sitting down. And it basically means every time you say, I love you to Jesus, he puts it on the devil's intercom. He, he, just, he just makes the devil listen to your affection and love for Jesus because he, he places the table in the presence of the enemy, not so the enemy can kill, steal, destroy, but so that there is ongoing testimony of the nature of God and his redemptive purpose in fallen humanity to restore us to a place that reminds the enemy, you did not win, you only set us up for a greater victory. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Anybody ever have the chocolate sundae, a moonstone? Can you say, will of God? Yes. Why? Why? For those of you who are not enlightened, it's a large goblet on a platter, plate. They fill it with ice cream and then they pour chocolate on it until it overflows and is filling the plate. Will of God. Will of God. Overflows. The outcome of this is your chocolate sundae will overflow. He says, my cup overflows. There's, there is more pouring through me than I could possibly contain. 
I am a fountain of resource and life for countless numbers of people because I've remained in a place of trust in the darkest of times. And what's happened in me is he's created in me a fountain of life that will feed and nourish many. It's the result of the Lordship of Jesus is he can trust you with greater capacity, greater influence, simply because you found the presence in the darkness. And you caused that to be your feeding place. And the result is you will have more than you could have asked for, more than is even necessary. Your cup overflows. Your head is anointed. Your thought life is immersed in the anointing of the Spirit of God. And out of your heart flows rivers, rivers, rivers of living water. He then ends it with this. He says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord goes before me. I got two angels behind me. Goodness and mercy. They just pick up the slack. Keep going, bro. Keep going. Don't don't stop now. This is no place to stop. They pick up the things I drop. But this goodness and mercy. Dwelling in the house of the Lord. You were designed to live in the manifested presence of the Lord. Did I, did I mention uh, the, I mentioned the person that got healed, came in the Friday night service. I'm sorry, this is my third service. I forget what I say where. Hi, good morning. <laughs> so here a person walks into a room and is healed of cancer without anybody praying for them. Several years ago, one of our staff guys, uh, one of our inter- international staff guys, was coming through customs in San Francisco. And the customs agent has him at the, at the desk, and he's international, he's got, a, he's got a green card, he works here. And uh, the guy looks at him and he says, uh, is, where do you work? And he said, uh, Bethel Church. He says, is that the church that has a, a prayer house up there that's open? He says, yeah, it is. He said, let me tell you a story. So a friend of mine's dying of fourth stage cancer. He drove up to Reading. He walked into the prayer house and was completely healed of cancer. He drove back, and then he looked at the pastor. He stamped his passport. He said, welcome home. Come on. What happened? Somebody's cup was overflowing. Come on, somebody's cup was overflowing. That lack mindset has got to go. Lack mindset is only the product of fear. It is not truth. It is not truth. I may be going through a valley of the shadow of death, but I am not a person bound by lack. I'm a person in process. I like outcomes, he likes process. I like the end result, the breakthrough, the miracle, the whatever. He likes the journey. I go, we think differently. Yes, we do. I I want the outcome. He says, ah, but you get to trust me the whole way. And I would dwell in the house of the Lord forever. doesn't mean you come to church forever. 
It means that we live in the presence continuously forever, that everywhere you go, the house of the Lord becomes manifest. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This weekly podcast is being translated into multiple languages. Please visit podcasts.ibethel.org.